If you take your Bible with me this morning to the book of Jeremiah, I'd like to say a couple of things before we get started. First of all, I had no idea that Brother Weiss could sing. I'm shocked. I just didn't think he had that kind of talent. No, no. Preachers ought not be able to preach and sing. That ain't fair. I can't play a radio and make it turn out right, uh, to be honest with you. But uh, I appreciate the special, appreciate the heart in which it's sung. That ought to be a child of God's desire more than anything to know the Lord more and more and more. And then the Mount Zion Baptist Church. Happy anniversary. 115 years. What an accomplishment, honestly. I don't know if you've ever looked at statistics or done any kind of research, but in America, Death Valley for churches are anywhere from 50 to 75 years old. They don't make it. And to think that you've lasted by the grace of God, and not just lasted and endured, but thrived. And the future that you have with your recent transition of pastoring, um, the future's bright for Mount Zion Baptist Church, and so looking forward to all that God has in store. Just want to tell you this morning, happy anniversary, and what a what an accomplishment that God's allowed you to be a part of. Jeremiah chapter 18 this morning. You reach a place. Let's stand together, if you would. We give honor and reverence to the Scriptures today. Read our opening text this morning. I trust that you'll give ear to that which the Lord would have for us. And so you follow along as I begin reading in verse number 1 of Jeremiah chapter number 18. The Bible says the words which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house. There I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again, another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. Our Father, this morning we are grateful and should be in our deep, deepest part of our heart today to be gathered in this place. Dear Lord, I'm not sure that we'll ever understand what a privilege it is that's been bestowed upon us to be a part of a service, dear God, where we're allowed the opportunity to lift our voice in song and praise your wonderful name, and then to gather around the Word of God and have the Holy Spirit instruct us and guide us in areas of our life to be a better soldier, a better servant, and a better son. Father, we pray today that you'll help us. Father, I don't want anything more than to simply be an instrument used in your hand to get the, to get the message that you've laid upon my heart across. 
Father, for that one that's here today that knows you but struggling in their heart with different issues, different things, I pray that you'll take your word and, Father, give them the guidance, the counsel, and the instruction that they need. For that one that might be under the sounding of my voice that doesn't know the Lord, never been born again, God, I pray that you take the same word and work in their heart, draw them to yourself that they might know what it is to receive forgiveness of sins. Now, Father, help us meet with us, for we ask it together in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so very much. You may be seated. In our passage this morning, we find that the Lord has come to the prophet Jeremiah and instructed him to go down to the potter's house. Now, it is here at this particular location that the Lord is fixing to give Jeremiah a particular message, and he wants to be able to do that not just by telling him something, but literally he wants to show Jeremiah a particular issue, and he's going to use a physical illustration that in turn Jeremiah might be able to communicate this message to the people of God and hopefully get them back to where God would have them to be. May I tell you this morning that it's interesting when you study your Bible that God often uses physical illustrations to get a spiritual message across. We find this over and over and over specifically in the life of our Savior. He used things from uh, farming to weather to all kind of physical illustrations trying to relay spiritual truths. We find specifically this morning that in the book of Jeremiah, God often uses these spiritual or these physical illustrations trying to talk unto his people. For instance, in Jeremiah chapter number 2, we find today that it was there that God talks to Jeremiah and to the people about the issue of how they've left that fountain of living water to go chase broken cisterns that don't hold any water. And there's really a great lesson right there about the truth is that what we have is fresh, it's sustaining, it's new every day, and often we leave that which is good and right for us to go chase things that really when it comes down to it, we find it does not satisfy like we originally thought. There's the illustration in Jeremiah chapter 13 and where Jeremiah was told to take a linen girdle. Now to understand something about a linen girdle, a linen girdle is different than a leather girdle. A linen girdle is more like a sash of these days in which they would wear. It was a sign of royalty and often they would hang their military ribbons and their uh, awards and things on this sash and it was meant as a display of that which they were proud of to others around. And God sends a message how he wanted to use his people as a way to display his power 
his goodness, something he could be proud of for everybody else to behold. And yet eventually God tells Jeremiah, take that linen girdle, you go bury it, let it rot, let it decay, and then you come and you pick it up and you wear it then. You see, God had the intent to be proud of his children and put them on display and how he could use them and do things in their life. But because of their rebellious heart and rebellious spirit, what they ended up becoming was nowhere what God had intended for them. We could go to Jeremiah 28. In Jeremiah 28, Jeremiah is told to put on the yoke of an ox. And it is there that he has walked up and down the streets of Jerusalem. And that was a signifying issue of how their sin and their rebellion has put them into bondage as well as the prophetic message that eventually they will be led into captivity to the hands of the Babylonians. I'm just telling you over and over in the book of Jeremiah we find these physical illustrations that carry a deep seated spiritual understanding and trying to help the people of God. We come to our passage this morning and my friend, we probably have what most of us would refer to, if not the, at least one of the most recognized spiritual messages with these physical illustrations in the book as a whole. This is what we know as the account of the potter and the clay. I want you to see with me in verse number 6 that this message this morning was to be given to the people of God. Notice what he says. He said, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter saith the Lord? Behold. Now, now we're going to see this word again, and we're going to emphasize it again, but I want you to go ahead and get a hold of it this morning. That word behold is... Pay attention. Look at this. Don't miss this. Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. Ladies and gentlemen, this illustration applies to how God is going to deal with his people and that which he could and wanted and will do for them. But may I submit to you today that this illustration isn't just about the nation of Israel years ago. This illustration applies to us today as the people of God. Let me read you a New Testament verse in which the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 9, verse 20 and 21, the Bible says, Nay, but O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and unto another dishonor. We find that this is reiterated in the New Testament. 
And so to say, well, preacher, that illustration way back in the day of Jeremiah is only applicable and only pertinent to Judah and to those people of that day. I'm going to tell you this morning, this illustration is applicable and pertinent and real to us in the year 2022. So what is it we can learn? What is it that God would get across to us from this illustration about clay in the potter's hand? The first thing I would bring to your attention is this. It is the advanced activity. Say, what do you mean, preacher? Look in verse 3 with me in our passage this morning. When Jeremiah is instructed in those two verses at the beginning to go down to the potter's house, Here's what he says. Then I went down to the potter's house, and here's that word again. Behold, here's what he paid attention to. Here's what he saw. It says he, speaking of the potter, wrought a work on the wheels. When Jeremiah went down to the potter's house, it's not like the potter had been sitting around twiddling his thumbs waiting for Jeremiah to show up and saying, now that you're here, we can finally get busy and I can show you and I can help you. And they, no, by the time Jeremiah shows up, the potter has already been at work doing things before Jeremiah ever shows up on the scene. There is an advanced activity way before Jeremiah comes in to the scene. You say, preacher, what does that have to do with anything? Do you realize that for a potter to put clay on the wheel and to mold it and shape it into a vessel that is usable and beautiful for the master's use, do you realize he doesn't just go down to the market and buy clay? There's a whole lot of work that goes in to the getting and the uh, extracting of that clay before it's ever ready to be put on the wheel and molded into a usable vessel. That clay is, has to be garnished. It has to be uh, harvested out of the ground. That potter himself goes, takes a shovel of some sort, often has to remove the topsoil, has to get through the rocks, often limestone in this setting in the Middle East of this date, and he has to get below that stuff in order to get down to the clay that they would use in order to put on the wheel. Can I tell you this morning, I for one am glad that I have a Savior, I have a potter that came to where I was at and came digging around in the soil of my heart, working in me, drawing me to himself. Hey, 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 listen to me this morning, ladies and gentlemen. It's not like, I've heard people say this, and I know they mean well in their heart. They say things like, well, I remember when I found Jesus. I remember when I came and I searched and I found the Lord. And I know that their heart's in the right place, and I know what they're getting at, but can I remind you today, it wasn't he that was lost, it was us. We were the ones who were lost. 
and he came to where we were. He found me as a 21-year-old young man with a heart full of hatred and bitterness and sin and all kind of atrocities, yet he loved me and he came to me and worked in my heart and drew me unto himself. I'm just amazed that I've got a God when I wasn't looking for him and I wasn't searching for him that Luke chapter 19 and verse 10 is a still real today as it's ever been that the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's me. And that's you. And I'm amazed at how he came. But do you know it's not just the fact that he came to where we were and brought us, but it's an interesting truth this morning that you don't take raw clay and put it on a wheel and mold it into a vessel. Here's something else for you to consider. Do you understand with me this morning that raw clay in and of itself is worthless? It's not the same thing as minerals like silver and gold and oil. Those things even in their natural state are quite valuable. Clay has no intrinsic value. It's worthless. Oh, preacher, what's that mean? You and I in our natural state have no intrinsic value to the Lord. You and I don't benefit Him. We're not valuable. It's not like when we say, well, God sure got a prize when He got me. No, at best, He got a bunch of dirt, a bunch of clay. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, we have no value. But listen to me. In order to put clay on the wheel and for it to become a vessel that is usable, that raw clay has to first be transformed. It's called the process of slipping. Literally what they would do is they would take that clay, harvest it out of the ground, lay it often upon the workbench and try to kind of spread it out a little bit. They would often take a wooden mallet. They would break up any clumps, any air pockets, those kind of things. They would then collect it up. They would put it in a lined trough. They would add water and they would stir it and let it set. They'd come back, add more water, and let it sit. They would do this process for quite a while, and it would take that raw clay and transform it into a slimy mud called slip. And then, when it's finally been transformed and ready, then they would put it on the wheel and begin to mold it into something. Can I tell you this morning... You and I will never be put on the wheel and molded to a vessel of honor that brings glory to our Savior until we have first been transformed by the grace of Almighty God. Hey, hey, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm, I'm grateful when people at Bible Baptist Church in Duncan, Oklahoma come 
and they want to get involved in the church and those kind of things. But ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. It's not just coming over and starting a new chapter in your life. It's not reformation and those kind of things. I'm afraid today if we're not careful in our Baptist churches as a whole, we got too many people that are wanting to be molded and yielded to the Lord and brought into a vessel of some sort and the problem is they've never first been transformed into a material that is able to be molded. You understand with me this morning that by the time Jeremiah had gotten there, by the time he laid eyes on what was happening, the potter had already been at work upon that clay. We see the advanced activity. Let me also talk to you this morning about the appointed place. Jeremiah is specifically ordered by the Lord, go to the potter's house. It's not the shed. It's not the barn. It's not the lake. It's not the ballpark. No, no, no. To, in order to be molded, in order to be, be able to be put in and literally structured into a vessel that's usable for the Lord, it required going to a specific place. 115 years Mount Zion has been operating as a New Testament church. And can I tell you, oh, oh, preacher, I just believe that my God can work anywhere. No, I understand that. I understand that you don't have to be in church in order to come to the Lord. And I understand that God can work and do things anywhere he wants to. I mean, after all, it was Solomon who said in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, how do I build a house for a God to whom the heavens of the heavens cannot contain? I mean, I understand that God is capable of working on those things, but when it comes to molding vessels and making people what they need to be for the service of God, God himself has designated a place to where that work is to be accomplished. It's the New Testament church. And ladies and gentlemen, to think that God has honored you and I said that right. To think that God has honored you by allowing you to be a part of one of his churches is a great privilege and a great honor. Because it is here that God will smooth off some of those rough edges. It is here in a place like this through a pastor and through teachers and others in the body that God has gifted for ministry that will be able to help mold you and make you into what God wants you to be, not so you can puff out your chest and say, look at me, but that yourself as a vessel might bring glory and honor unto the master himself. Hey, I'll just tell you this morning, 
according to the scriptures, I am as convinced today as I've ever been. No one comes to spiritual maturity outside the house of God. Oh, where would you get that? Well, Ephesians chapter 4. God gives gifts to the body. And ladies and gentlemen, one of those reasons is for the perfecting of the saints. For the maturity. For your development. God has given you a place that you might be a part of. And he might use this place in your life to shape you and mold you into what you be. You often hear it in our churches today, and rightfully so, how the fact is that Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 teaches, we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Hey, and so much the more, we need each other, by the way. The more we go in this life and the darker the world gets around us, the more precious the house of God ought to be to his people. Can I mention something to you about that book and that passage in Hebrews? It won't cost you nothing, it's free. When the Bible says that we're to be careful and not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, for years, we have regulated that to mere attendance. But do you know that the word assembling does not mean just attendance? It means connection. You ever gone to Walmart, bought something, and right there on the box it says, assembly required. I hate those things. I do my best to avoid them. Invariably, you take and open up the box, dump it out on the floor, have a pile of things, and all the parts are in attendance, they say. But they're not assembled. It's not just good enough for God's people to check off the box and say, I'm here. God means for you to connect as a body is connected through the different parts. God means for you to connect. God means it not just so you can do something for someone, but it's to your benefit. It's to your help. It's to your development that you get plugged in and connected to the house of God. Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house. We see that when he gets there, there's an advanced activity before he ever even shows up. The potter's already been working. There's an appointed area. It's this place. This place is like no other place. And I'm just going to tell you, God will do things in the house of God that he won't do anywhere else on planet Earth. But then we see the amazing ability. May I bring your attention back to verse 3 there? It says, behold, and again that word is to bring your attention to, focus, look, what's going on? 
And the idea here is subtle, but I don't want you to miss it. What grabbed a hold of Jeremiah's attention, what amazed him and excited him and what he saw was not the beauty and the elegance of the vessel. What he was amazed with was the work of the potter. So what do you mean, preacher? Let me word it this way. Jeremiah steps into the room, sees this potter vigorously working, and Jeremiah is beholden. He is amazed at the ability of the potter to take worthless clay and make something out of it. He's not mesmerized. Oh, look how wonderful. Look how beautiful. Look at, look at this. Look at, oh man, that's just something. No. Look at the potter. <laughs> look at him work. Look at what he's doing. Look how he's building this thing. Look how he's molding it and constructing it. Look at, it's not the vessel that needs to be given the credit. It's not the vessel that needs to be, people need to be enamored with. It's what our potter can do with something that the world and everybody else would look at and say, that's got no value to it. That's got no purpose. It's got no structure. And to think that our potter can take a lump of clay and in his hands make something that's both beautiful and usable. Ladies and gentlemen, I still stand amazed at what God does in the lives of sinners like me and like us in this room today. God help us not to be enamored with our vessel. Well, preacher, you just don't know me. I'm pretty talented. Well, could I bring your attention to what the Bible says in Romans, that a man ought not think more highly of himself than he ought to. Because the truth of the matter is, not a one of us can take credit. Not a one of us can say, look what I've done. You think about the ability of this potter. You understand with me this morning that when that potter would sit down at the wheel and began to work, and he's got one foot going on that bottom wheel spinning that thing, and he puts that clay that he has transformed and put all the energy and all the work and all the effort into, and how he begins to make something out of it, do you realize when he sits down at that wheel that there is a perception to his ability? He has a vision for it. I know what it can be. I know what I want it to be. And he's willing to do what it takes. Hey, sometimes, depending on what he wants it to be, you have to spend more time on the wheel than other vessels. Sometimes it takes a little bit more hands-on. Sometimes it takes some more pressure and different things. But I'll tell you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, to think 
every single child of God. There's not a one of us this morning that God does not have a perception for our life and a desire for what he wants us to be to think that God has a handcrafted, handcrafted perfect will for every single one of us is an amazing truth today. God didn't just put a bunch of clay on an assembly line and say, y'all go march like a bunch of puppets and that kind of... No. Handcrafted. Every single life. Every single purpose. Ah, oh, preacher. God couldn't use me. You're listening to the wrong voices today. Because he doesn't sit down at the wheel and put you there and put pressure on the outside. And may I say this? In his ability, it's not just pressure on the outside that he puts on. If you're going to be a vessel that's used, he's got to put some pressure down on the inside. You imagine what it'd be like to have a vase that looks all nice on the outside, but nobody's done anything to the inside? <laughs> it's worthless. And we're not careful sometimes we think, well, the outside's the only thing that matters. I didn't say the outside didn't matter, but I'm going to tell you our God's interested in putting pressure on the inside as much as he is the outside. And he molds, and he fashions, and he forms to get us to where he wants us to be. That's his ability. And no more than the clay can stand up and say, look what I've made myself into be, can any child of God say, look what I have accomplished in my Christian life. All glory belongs to the potter's ability. But I'm glad this morning. Look with me in verse 4. Because his ability doesn't just stop when it comes to fashioning things to begin with. In verse 4, I want you to see this if you would. In verse 3 he says, Behold, he wrought a work on the wheel. In other words, look what he's done. Look how he has made this. But ladies and gentlemen, the attention in verse 3 is he did the work. So when things are good, let me explain it this way. When things are good, the attention belongs to the potter. But look in verse 4. When things go bad and something happens, the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the the attention is to the vessel. Do you realize that even in a master potter's hand, there are times in which the clay has impurities. There are times in which the clay will not yield to his touch and to his pressure. And because it will not yield, listen to me carefully. To no fault of the potter, there are times 
in which that vessel becomes marred. It's not going to be fashioned into what he wants it to be. Perhaps it's not got enough water or moisture, impurities, maybe there's lumps, there's, there's all kind of reasons why it might be, but it has nothing to do with the potter's ability. But I want you to see what he does. I, I don't know about you, several years ago, just for the sake of trying to be able to let my mind relax and rest and that kind of stuff, I got into woodworking. I bought me a table saw, bought me some things, watched a bunch of YouTube videos, those kind of issues, and I honestly took up on the hobby of woodworking. And I've made several things in our home to our daughter's bedroom suit and their beds and made my dad's or his cabinets and those kind of things over the years. I love it when a project turns out right. Everything is squared, everything is straight, everything is just like it's supposed to. But there have been times, more than I'd like to admit this morning, that my projects haven't turned out like I wanted. So preacher, how'd you handle that? My desire was to take that wood, walk out to my driveway, chop it with an axe, make a big old pile, pour gasoline, and have a bonfire right there in my driveway. I said, you ever done that? Don't ask. I have a tendency when things don't turn out like I want to, to scrap it. I'll just go get new material. I'll start over and do something else. What passion our potter has that when we're not yielded and we're not pliable, he doesn't just kick us out the back door into a scrap heap. He puts us back on the wheel. And there are sometimes we do things honestly to such level and such degrees that we may alter his plan for us. Because did you notice what it says? It says that he put it onto the wheel to make another vessel. Sometimes he's got to put us back on the wheel and what he's doing in our life now is not what he originally intended. Young people, you listen to me this morning. Don't get this idea, well, I'll just live my life like I want to and then down the road I'm, I'll just come to God and I'll get things right. So the greatest thing you can do is get saved, surrender your heart and life to the Lord as a young person and you follow His will from day one and let Him be all you ever need. There are some times because of our own sin and our own rebellion and the fact that we will not yield. That what he ends up making out of us is not what he originally intended. But can I tell you this morning, regardless of the fact, I'm glad that even at times my heart has been cold 
At even times when I've been a little stiff-necked, prideful, I'm glad that I've got a master potter who's able to put me back on the wheel and began to start all over and start forming and fashioning and shaping and molding and working in my life to get me where he wants us to be. Aren't you glad this morning that we don't just serve a God who says, I'm done with you, I'm through. Aren't you glad that our God is willing to give not just second chances, but third and fourth and fifth and multiple chances when God works upon our heart. What a great, great God we serve. Now, listen to me carefully. We find that there is an advanced activity here. He is working. He has been at work before Jeremiah ever showed up. There's an appointed area. There's an amazing ability. But then there's an affirmed accomplishment. All the while God told Jeremiah to go to the potter's house, he had an intent. Remember, this is about a message to the people of God. Go with me this morning and look at it quickly, would you? Notice Jeremiah chapter 19. Flip over. Because honestly, this illustration carries through chapter 18 and chapter 19. And I'd encourage you to read these two chapters on your own time. But look what it says in chapter 19. Thus saith the Lord God, the Lord, go and get a potter's earthen bottle. Now look up here. When it uses the term earthen there, it's talking about one that's already been put in the kiln one that's already been through the fire, it's been hardened, it's ready to be used, it, it's no longer clay, but it's been cooked and now can be put in to service. Go get an earthen bottle. Go down to verse number 9. Excuse me, go to verse 10. Then shalt thou break the bottle in the sight of the men that go with thee and thou shalt say unto them thus saith the Lord of hosts even so will I break this people and this city as one breaketh a potter's vessel that cannot be made whole again and they shall bury them in Tophet till there be no place to bury Do you, you see what he said God had an intent. God had a purpose with this bottle. All the while it was to be made, constructed under the careful hand of the potter. Handcrafted. God says, Jeremiah, I want you to go get that. I want you to call for the elders and the priests. I want you to gather them together and before their eyes. I want you to break that bottle. Do you understand this morning that God does have a purpose? And God does have a plan. And God does have something that every single one of us is to do. And what God's will for you and God's purpose for your life may not be God's purpose 
for somebody else. That's why we're all handcrafted. We're handcrafted to be the vessel that he wants us to be. But notice this, he tells him, break it. In fact, don't just break it. Break it to the point that it'll never be put back together again. I remember when I was a kid playing ball in the house. My mom was a collector of certain items and things and she'd have them up on the shelf. And I was notoriously being told, do not bounce the basketball in the house. I'm 10. My dad always said about me as a 10-year-old, he minds well, he just doesn't remember long. <laughs> and I came through the house, bouncing the basketball on the way to my room. And I'll never forget, I missed it. It bounced off the side of the fireplace, bounced across the room, and hit my mother's shelves. And off came several of her artifacts and different things and hit the ground and shattered. Being the 10-year-old mastermind that I was, got a bottle of super glue and thought I can fix this and answer this problem without any issues. And I put those things back on the shelf. My mom walks into the room several hours later and screams. I don't know what she was screaming about. I thought I did a pretty good job. Except for heads were on this side and think, okay, it maybe not been as good as I thought. But honestly, all the super glue in the world was never going to make those things back to what they were originally. You understand with me that there are times in which God may put you through things. And God may do things in your life that break you to where you'll never be the same again. Oh, preacher, I don't know that I want that. But after all that he's done for us and all that he's done to us and for us, should not we be yielded to his purpose even if it means we're to be broken? Now here's what I want you to see. Because often what comes in people's mind, but preacher, if I'm broken, I'll not be that vessel that carries water to those who are thirsty. Preacher, if I'm broken, I won't be the bowl that carries food and bread and serves people that are in need. Preacher, if I'm broken to the point that I'll never be put back together the way I used to be, then I'm not usable to God. I'll never be what he wants me to be. Let me remind you of something. For this vessel, God's purpose was to send a message. And it was God's plan to break that vessel. Well, you may say, oh, preacher, I just don't know that God could ever use me as the way that I'm broken. I remind you of the book of Job, chapter 2, at the lowest state of Job's life, lost everything that he had, and in misery and agony, 
the only thing that brought him any comfort was when he scraped his boils with a broken piece of pottery. You maybe think that you're broken today. For whatever you've been through, that you'll never be made whole and you'll never be made what you used to be. You think, I'll never be usable to God. Can I tell you this morning, never underestimate even a broken piece of pottery in the hand of a master potter. It may very well be that God puts you through something that changes you for who you are. And He's done it. That as 2 Corinthians says, we might be able to comfort them who are in tribulation wherewith the comfort we were comforted with. God may put you through something for somebody else down the road. But I'm going to tell you this. If that's God's will and God's plan for your life, it is a, it is a life worth living. Because I'm telling you, we are clay in the potter's hand.